Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Do not, whatever you do, do not say, Houston, we have a problem. You can say Justin Verlander's got some serious postseason issues. You can say Mattress Mac is screwed. He says he bet 10 million bucks on the Astros. Just don't say, Houston, we have a problem. They don't like it there in Houston. So maybe you're going to say it just to taunt them. This is a late start. Thursday home and home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Try Zip Recruiter right now. There it is, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. We got a lot ahead in this program of Free Money Thursday, as we often do here. Nick Costos, hopefully some better bets than he's had in the recent weeks. He's going to try to make you some money in college and the NFL football games this weekend, as well as Grant Paulson. He joins us from D.C. with the celebratory scene in the nation's capital. They don't care about impeachment right now. They care about baseball. Brad Evans will take your fantasy football questions. And in the 10 o'clock hour, what is a mental conditioning coach? Trevor Moad. He is one of the guys who works with Russell Wilson. He's Russell's mental coach. Not sure entirely what that is, but it sure seems to be working, judging by Russell Wilson's play. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania. And again, we start with Ross's favorite pastime, which is baseball. And the nation's capital is rocking today. There were 14,000-plus fans in their park to watch a game on TV that was played in Houston. 12-3, Nats win. I'm telling you, Ross, the people that are not watching this World Series are missing the joy of baseball. There are hugs. There are dance parties. There will be Baby Shark on Friday night. Watching this Nationals team is an absolute pleasure. But as you texted me earlier this morning... Baseball's ratings are in a dire, dire situation. Why do you figure that is? Well, first of all, good morning, Dave. Welcome to a zip-up Thursday. You wear a zip-up every day, so I felt like I needed to uh, get involved. Ooh, it's a little chilly in here. I better take it all the way to the top floor. Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting hot. Time to take it down to the ground floor, going low. By the way, this is unbelievable audio for people that are not watching right now. It's terrific. I was zipping up my zipper up and down for those of you in your cars or whatever that are just listening on the radio.com app or radio.com slash home. Because we're video, we have to remember we're video and audio, so you did not get a chance to see a couple of luxurious daddy chest hairs but hey maybe you can check it out on demand or check it out on social at rdc home and home i'm at ross tucker nfl he is at dave briggs tv yeah you know what briggs a couple things right so number one i need to stop saying a couple things every time you ask me a question number two i need to stop numbering the things i'm responding back to you every time you ask me a question Number three, as it relates to baseball, look, I found out, I heard this a while ago, that Mm -hmm. there are only four or five baseball teams that even rate. Did you ever notice how during the regular season, every Sunday night baseball includes either the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, or the Dodgers, or the St. Louis Cardinals, and maybe the Phillies. There's only like four to six. I have been on a call before, or I've read something, where there are only four to six Major League Baseball teams that actually do ratings. 
during the regular season to the point where it makes sense to even have them on television on a national level. Baseball is a very regional sport. You know what baseball is, where I live at least, Dave, and you can tell me what it's like up there. Where I live, both of my wife's grandmothers put the Phillies game on every night in the summer. They're in their 90s. But they put it on, and they sit there and they watch it. Because I think that's how they grew up, maybe. I also have friends that are younger than me that they put on most nights as they're eating dinner or as they're on their computer. It's like background music, background noise, but there's a nice flow to it, a nice cadence. Because every once in a while, uh, they actually mentioned me on a Phillies broadcast this year. I got like 10 text messages. So people, people watch it regionally. You know what those people don't really care about? The Astros and the Nationals. They just don't. You know, there are teams I mentioned that are national baseball teams, right? They have diehard local fans, but they've also kind of got a national following. The Astros and the Nationals, that confuses things, right? National following, Nationals. That little confuses things a little bit. But they don't have national followings. And honestly, I don't care at all about the Astros or the Nationals. I have a rooting interest in this series now because of that loser assistant GM for the Astros. I wouldn't care at all about this series if it wasn't for this Taubman clown show for the Astros. Now I want the Nationals to win. And by the way, you know what they say? You know they ever say ball don't lie? Feeling like with the way this series is going so far, little ball don't lie for uh, Napoleon Taubman out there. Little ball don't lie. Little karma, if you will, for the way the Astros. And by the way, I'm not even sure what's worse at this point, Dave. And you see cover-ups all the time. You see press releases all the time. It's what you do for a living for CNN. You're like a real newsman. How can the Astros be this stupid to, like, their first five attempts at correcting this have all been wrong. They attacked the reporter. They say it didn't happen. They say he was talking to the players that weren't even there. Then they say, we're sorry for people that we might have offended. How about everybody, bro? How about everybody? Not people you offended, you might have offended. How about everybody? We talked about it yesterday. Uh, but honestly, I have a rooting interest in the Nationals. I actually thought, Dave, that might mm. help the ratings. Well, it's not. It's the second lowest World Series game one ever. They've been playing baseball forever, and it's the second lowest rated baseball game, uh, World Series game one ever. It's down 11% of the ratings from uh, a year ago. Now, that was a Boston-LA series. So compared to two of the most popular teams in the sport and the two of the biggest brands, it doesn't really sound that bad that it's down 11 It ought to be down 11% from Boston-LA. So I don't think that number is alarming. But 2004, yeah, second lowest Game 1 rating since 2004. And that was a San Francisco Giants Kansas City Royals series, Royals being one of the smaller markets in Major League Baseball. A lot to unpack there, including the Taubman incident, the assistant GM. I do not think it's the least bit fair to paint the Astros with the broad brush that is the moron Taubman because the clubhouse, who the players are, this is a tremendously likable ball club. Jose Altuve, if you don't like that guy, you don't like sports. Five foot six and arguably the best player in the game, not named Mike Trout. He's a tremendous watch, as is Carlos Correa, as is George Springer, as is Garrett Cole, who's about to make about $300 million. So I don't think it's fair to paint the Astros with that broad brush. But I do want to say this is a tremendously entertaining Washington Nationals team. And because we don't often see chemistry like this club. The baby shark thing, the hugging Steven Strasburg in the dugout, even though he hates it. A dugout dance party between Howie Kendrick, Adam Eaton, and the entire team. This is a lovable club, and I hope 
people tune in to see game three, four, five, however long this series goes, but it doesn't look like it's going that much longer because Washington has taken a stranglehold on it. They did so against Justin Verlander last night. It's astounding to look at the numbers for one of the great pitchers of our era. It's just impossible to comprehend a guy that good, 21 and 6 in the regular season this year, a couple of Cy Youngs in his career, and now he is 0 and 5 in six World Series starts with a 5.67 ERA. That is the most starts in the World Series without a win, and it's one of the great pitchers of our time. He started out with a struggle last night. He walked the first batter on four straight pitches. He gave up a two-run double. Anthony Rendon, it was two-zip after one. He's given up nine first-inning runs this postseason. That is another stunning number. He gave up four the last time out. Let's listen to how this all went down, including a massive seventh inning when this game was busted open by the Nats. Here's the call on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. And the 0-2, swing and a fly ball left field. Moving back, Brantley turns to play it off the Crawford boxes, and it bounces away from him towards center field. Turner scores, eating around third. He's coming home. Without a play, he slides across the plate as Correa, the shortstop, has the ball in shallow left center field. On a booming double by Tony Tubags, his fifth two-base hit of the postseason, Anthony Rendon with his first-ever World Series hit as the Nationals on the board at the top of the first inning. It's Washington 2 and Houston nothing. Here's the set of the pitch. Swing a fly ball to deep left. This ball is gone. That one over the Crawford boxes off the wall above the archway. And Alex Bregman, maybe he did go home and sleep with his back. He snaps out of his funk with a two-run home run. And this game is tied here at the bottom of the first inning. It's the Nationals 2 and the Astros 2. He balls two strikes. Strasburg ready. The runners go, the pitch, curveball, strike, three, called. On pitch number 114, Steven Strasburg locks up Tucker, the pinch hitter, on a breaking ball. He survives the sixth inning with the game tied. Strasburg emphatic high fives on his way down the dugout steps on the third base side. Big time pitch there for Strasburg, strikeout number seven. Kurt has never had a postseason home run. Here's the 1-0. Swinging a long drive, left field, he's got one now. Kurt Suzuki gives the Nationals the lead. That one above the Crawford boxes. Kurt Suzuki's first career postseason home run, and the Nationals lead the Astros 3-2 to two here in the seventh three inning. 3-2 to Zimmerman. Swinging a chopper third base side, tough chance coming in. Bregman barehands the ball to throw to first, throws it away. Here comes the second run. He'll score. Zimmerman goes to second, nobody there, and the throw is not in time with Cabrera. Scoring behind Kendrick. It's a single and an error, and the Nationals lead 8-2. to two. Zimmerman ends up at second on the play with his second swing bunt hit of the night. <laughs> Bregman throws it away, allowing Cabrera to score, and Zimmerman to take second. Six runs home in the inning, and Presley's going to be taken out. Another 2-2 pitch. Swing and a slow bouncer. Third base side. Rendon charges in as it. Off-balance throw to Zimmerman in time for the out. And a Game 2 World Series Curly W is in the books. The Nationals with 6 in the 7th, 3 in the 8th, and 1 in the ninth, Break open a 2-2 game and blow out the Astros. It was a massive 7th seven, inning, 6 runs. They just pounded on two of them on infield singles. Kurt Suzuki, who'd have had that one? in the uh, likely outcomes here, blows it open with the home run. Now, we talked about Justin Verlander, but Steven Strasburg has been a wonder. 4-0 this postseason, six earned runs in 28 innings, including 40 strikeouts. He has a 1.93 ERA this postseason, 1-3-4 all-time. Steven Strasburg is the opposite of what we've seen from Justin Verlander. Here's his manager, A.J. Hinch, on the hole they're in. Well, they got to look around the room and, and see that, I mean, we have a really good team. And clearly the Nats have outplayed us, bottom line. And they came into our building and, and played two really good games. And, you know, I, I we're going to have to try to sleep off the, the latter third of this game because I, I don't want to lump this into a horrible game. It was a horrible three innings. 
for us and leading up to that it was a pretty good game and we'd, we'd, we'd pushed Strasburg pretty far we pushed Scherzer pretty far um, you know they're halfway to a, to a race to four wins so clearly game three uh, becomes critical for us we're gonna we're gonna get on a plane we're gonna go to Washington I doubt um, the Nats are gonna feel you know too confident that they have this sewed up and they can start you know planning a parade we're gonna give them a fight for it A.J. Hinch, the manager of the Houston Astros, best performance by anyone in a Houston jersey, Simone Biles, who did a front flip standing on the mound and then threw out the ceremonial first pitch. I'm not sure if this thing is going to get back to Houston, but my question for you is, Ross, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, I don't care. How do you account for one of the game's all-time greats like Justin Verlander failing to get it done time and time again on the game's brightest stage? I don't. I, I, I don't know how to account for that. It's kind of like the Clayton Kershaw thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. Other than I feel like baseball is an unbelievable mental game. And I've had so many guys tell me that. You know, uh, a friend of mine, I was actually in his wedding, Chad Hutchinson. You know, he was the quarterback for the Cowboys yeah. when I was there. He also played baseball before that. And the Cardinals organization was up to the majors, I think, a couple times. And he said, you know, it was almost like he would get in his head at times. Like, okay, the catcher's telling me to throw a fastball inside part of the plate. But if he's telling me that, you know, maybe the hitter knows that that's probably what's coming. So maybe I should throw it. Like, it just is such uh, – it, it's almost like – psychological warfare is baseball. And I feel like for whatever reason, Clayton Kershaw and Verlander are not the same in these certain moments. I don't have an explanation for it. Obviously they don't have an explanation for it. If they did, they would fix it, but it's really, really strange. It is. But I also say this, Dave, this is why I actually love, postseason baseball or at least I like postseason baseball I'm interested in it because <laughs> crazy stuff happens like you know guys that never walk get a walk in a key situation Suzuki you know hits a homer like it's just crazy things happen in postseason baseball and frankly I think I, I feel like when we were younger didn't you feel like a lot of like World Series games were like 2-1 3-2, you know, because the pitchers were usually so good and it gets colder and the hitters just harder to hit and all that stuff. It's just interesting to me that it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case anymore and that these aces don't necessarily have the stuff or have the, the ability to shut these other teams down. We've seen it now back-to-back -back nights with Garrett Cole and Verlander, but it just feels like weird stuff. I mean... The Nationals getting all these singles where they're not even hitting the ball hard. I mean, it's just no, kind of like the, these. It, it's just a weird, weird thing. Um, you know, that, that weird things happen in postseason baseball, which is why I was a little surprised how overly confident everybody we've talked to, you know, whether it was Bob Nightingale earlier, you know, a couple weeks ago or Kevin Millar or even Mattress Mac, how, how confident they were that the Astros would win it. It just seems like baseball doesn't work that way. Yeah, we got to dial up Mattress Mac. I mean, he, he bet another million dollars yesterday. What he says is now a total of $10 million on the Astros. They were a prohibitive favorite. But this has been an absolute butt kick. And most of those experts also thought it would be the low-scoring games that you mentioned because of the superior pitching on both ends of this game. So eight straight wins for the Nats. They are 10-2 and two in this postseason, 18-2 and two in their last 20 games. It is hard to account for what they're doing right now. Let's listen to Mr. National Ryan Zimmerman, the first player ever drafted by this organization when they returned to Washington. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Winning two games in the World Series means nothing. We haven't done anything yet. We just got to stay focused. That's a really, really good team over there that's got some guys that can do some special stuff. So we'll enjoy this tonight, obviously. I think you uh, you enjoy all of them at this level. But uh, then you wipe it clean and, and get ready to go home and uh, keep playing good baseball. 
You're going to want to see the scene in D.C. It's going to be outstanding. That city is hungry for their first World Series game since 1933. Annabelle Sanchez, Zach Granke, and, and frankly, Granke has struggled this postseason. So not entirely clear if this series gets back to Houston, but they're going to steal a game. They're going to take one of those games. That much we can say. One other black eye for Major League Baseball. We mentioned the Taubman incident, which Rob Manford says, we have to be tremendously concerned. They are investigating. They are also investigating another issue. Major League Baseball looking into umpire Rob Drake, who tweeted late Tuesday, quote, I will be buying an AR-15 because if you impeach my president this way, you will have another civil war. Whoa, that tweet was deleted. That news was broken by Jeff Passan of ESPN. Not entirely clear if that umpire will be fired from Major League Baseball. Uh, we're going to get in just a minute to a Thursday night football showdown between the Vikings and, okay, not so much showdown, Vikings and Redskins is it a revenge game? I don't know. It's certainly interesting dynamics between Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, Adrian Peterson, swapping teams in this case. We'll get to the Thursday nighter in just a sec, Ross. It is a triple revenge game, Dave. Get excited. Yes. Triple revenge Thursday night football. Never happened before. By the way, that umpire spelling civil war wrong, that's amazing. I'm sorry. Like That He's was fired. a ridiculous tweet. He'll probably be fired, but if you spell civil war wrong, I, I mean, you spell civil wrong, that's that's almost too good to be true. He is hired to be our script writer here on Home and Home. We could use a guy like that to tell you about things like ZipRecruiter, where my buddy, Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but... He was having trouble finding qualified applicants. He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter. He was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's really no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check him out. The man we hired as our gambling expert here on Home and Home is Nick Costos. He'll join us after a quick break and we'll tell Costos why Kyle Shanahan ought to be his new favorite head coach, even though he's a Giants fan. We're back with where you should put your money this weekend after a quick break. All right, it's a free money Thursday here on Home and Home. Let's make you some money on college and pro football games all weekend and bring in Nick Costos, our good friend from You Better You Bet. Costos, good to see you, man. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. How does a Yankee fan view a Nationals Astros World Series that heads to DC two zip. Are you watching? Are you interested? Are you tuned out? Oh no, we're we're watching. We're interested, and we're winning money because we've been betting on the Washington Nationals. These these prices. First off, fuck the uh, the Astros. I will never root for that team to ever win a game. I hope Mattress Mac loses all his money. Um, the the clown who sells mattresses in Houston that puts like a million dollars down a game and loses two million dollars <laughs> on every game on the Astros. That guy can't lose enough money to make me happy. I, I don't want him to be destitute, but I would like for him to lose a lot of money because screw him and screw the Astros. And people say to me, like, why do you hate the Astros so much? Are you just a salty Yankees fan? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Yankee fan. They beat my team twice in three years, so fuck them. I hope they never win. Um, we've been betting on the Nationals. We've been making money, guys. You know what this series reminds me of? This is the Stanley Cup final this past summer between the Bruins and the St. Louis Blues, where the teams are pretty evenly matched, but, like, 
all the media narrative is driven on one side. So like in that series, Boston and St. Louis, you didn't have to know anything about hockey. All you needed to do was look at the prices for these games. Bruins were like minus 180 at home in these games, and these were two even teams. So you bet the Blues in every game. Same thing in these in this Nationals-Astros series where I got Max Scherzer in game one, guys, at 2-1. to one. This ain't some scrub slapdick jabroni pitcher. Max Scherzer's won multiple Cy Young awards, and I'm getting him at two to one. Last night I got Steven Strasburg plus 165. Like, you will never get pitchers of this caliber at prices like this ever again. So, as long as the series continues to be priced like this, with the Astros being ridiculously inflated, we're going to bet on the Nationals, and I have a feeling that we're going to win. I think the Nationals are going to win this series, obviously, and I took them before the series two to one. So, loving it right now. Nationals up two nothing. Take that, Mattress Mac. Suck it, Mattress Mac. All right, let me ask you this, Nick. If you weren't betting on the World Series, would you be watching? Would you give a shit? Uh, probably because like ultimately like I really like sports. Like I can't I can't lie and tell you like I'd be tuned in like the entire 9 innings, but I would definitely be watching. But it would be tough, you know, cuz it's like I turned the game on and it's like a reminder of what happened this past weekend, like my favorite team getting eliminated. So yeah, I would know what's going on just because like I love sports and I would watch the games a little bit, but I would not be like invested the way I am when I have money on it. So no, betting Ross helps. If I ever write a book on gambling, it will be called uh, like every game is game seven. And then in parentheses, how to turn like Bucks Pirates on a Wednesday in August into game seven of the World Series. Every game you bet on becomes game seven of the World Series. That's why betting's so great. All right, this is interesting. I think most people are like you in terms of they want the team that beat them to lose. But on some level, shouldn't you feel the opposite? Like, doesn't it make the Yankees look better if, like, the Astros sweep the Nationals? Instead, it makes the Yankees look even worse if they couldn't beat the team that the Nationals are kicking their ass. See, Ross, you're thinking about this from, like, a really, like, logical perspective, and I acknowledge that. For me, though... I got hate in my heart, man, and I'm letting it out. Fuck this team, man. No, I don't I don't play that game. I want the, the team that beats my team to be miserable. And more importantly than like the team losing, I want that opposing fan base to be miserable and robbed of joy. I would say almost not just like in the the teams that they watch, but in like their personal day-to-day lives. Like Astros fans, I actually like the city of Houston. Like I've been I've been like my grandmother lived in Houston when I was growing up, went to visit there, went to Houston Oilers games, loved the Houston Oilers back in the day, my second favorite team behind the Giants. Now though, I don't want these people to have any joy in their lives. I want them to be miserable because they made me miserable when my New York Yankees lost. So no, screw that. I don't want the Astros to win, so it makes my Yankees Look better. I want the Astros to lose so those fans can feel the same pain that I did, sons of bitches. I think you're going to get that opportunity. Nick Costos has hate in his heart. Don't miss him on You Better, You Bet. I'm going to give you some love for Kyle Shanahan because listen to what Emmanuel Sanders said in his first press conference after being traded to the Niners. Uh, about him prior to just him being a coach, but getting here and just seeing how he is, you know, seeing him today, just a very laid back, funny guy, light, light, light um guy, light on his toes. And, you know, I noticed in the team meeting, I was like, I can't wait to get home and tell my tell my wife that the head coach is wearing Yeezys, man. That's I was like, that's cool, man. I was like, that's cool. This one cool coach and just the environment here is just so it's so light. But at the end of the day, we have a concentration and we have a focus on the on the task at hand. And so, um, you know, you could I could tell that, you know, um his team is a reflection of him and it's cool to see. Are you wearing your Yeezys? And do you want to see NFL head coaches wearing Yeezys? Um, I'm I don't have them on right now, but I just got a new I just got a new pair literally like two days ago. Do you want me to go get them? They're right over there and I can show them to you guys. Do you want to see them? A thousand percent. Hell yeah. All right. Go, liter- go. Literally give me give me like five seconds and I'll be right back. Okay, right. while you go, I'll ask you, Ross Tucker. Another head coach in the NFL, you can picture wearing Yeezys. I, and, and what would you do if you could get Bill Belichick in a pair? Sean right. McVay, Matt LaFleur, Boom. Zach Taylor. I could see any of those guys in Yeezys. All of like the McVay tree, they got Yeezys written all over them. All it's over them. Because they're, they're hey, cool-ass so motherfuckers. Refresh just my like memory me. again. Refresh my yeah. memory. How much, how much are Yeezys? 
Um, it really depends. You know, if you get them at retail, it depends on the model. They go for like anywhere from like 200 to 300 bucks retail. But then if you have to buy resell, which means like they all sell out immediately and then you need to buy them on right. the resale market, you can end up paying more for them. Now what I do, there's a great so, sneaker store locally here by where I live and I go and I do like trades in with, with sneakers that I already have. So I don't spend like a ton of money on stuff anymore. So here's to. my question. Does it work? Like does, does it fill that void in your heart and soul that you're trying to replace with a pair of sneakers? Well, let, let's, let, let's, well, let's, let's play this game, Ross. What, what is it? What is your vice? Would you say, Ross? Not vice? shoes. No, th <laughs> no there's gotta be something Ross that like, you're saying like, Oh, is that what? Cause I, cause I'm, I'm this former NFL player and I'm up in the ivory tower and I'm looking down on everyone. Is it sneakers that fills the void in your heart? What fills the void in your heart, buddy? Cause there's gotta be uh, something. I don't know. Life. You ain't no, I don't have, I don't uh, have a void life. in my heart and soul. Life. 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 I mean, if you're asking life. for vices, I like food. I like beer. But I <laughs> what don't. What are you, a I don't fucking spend, alien? I, you have no void. You're a fucking human being. Of course you do. I don't spend extravagant money on either. I don't need to spend four hundred dollars on sneakers because I'm happy with my life and who I am. Dave, are you noticing a theme on the show? <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't give a shit what anyone else yeah. does. Ross, Ross is Judgy McJudgerson, where Ross has to project his bullshit and insecurities onto everyone else. Ross, I don't care what you do with your sneakers, yeah. but you seem to care what I do with mine. But here they are, and they are beautiful. Let's see. Look at that. These, okay, this is those the inertia. are better. This is a beautiful shoe. Like I thought the other Little ones were... Little hit of pink. Yeah. Oh, is that pink? Pink and gray. So those are better it's, than it's the other It's more like ones. salmon. And, and you got baby blue here on the... Okay, so you, the toe. Yeah. you paid Beautiful. what for those? How much um, did you pay? I, I, I traded in a couple pairs that I that I have that I no longer wear for them. So I paid I ended up paying like like fifty bucks for them. But they they go for like three hundred and fifty bucks. Three hundred and fifty oh, bucks. Got, Do you realize that's that's seven kegs of yingling? Russ, you could have I, had I seven tell, uh, you know, kegs of yingling and instead I don't drink, you bought I'm, I'm not a beer drinker. I'm not a beer. Here's the other thing, guys. Of course for, again, you're not like, a beer I, I, I always, I always say this. You know, I always say Let me this. guess. Here's why I'm Let not me guess. Here's Let why. me guess, Nick. Yeah, 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 you yeah, go yeah, and you, you, you buy some type of poser drink to make you look more sophisticated or smart. Like some type of martini thing and no, you put something in it and you're like, and you go to the bar and like real loud, everybody can hear you. I want a chocolate martini neat with blah, blah, blah. And then you walk around the party neat? with your Yeezys and your fancy martini and you live a shallow existence. Well, that may be true. <laughs> the last part may be true for sure. I've never had a martini. My drink of choice is uh, Tito's and soda. So I drink that all the time. The reason why I can't drink beer, and again, I always say this on the show, you you two, you two assholes can't appreciate this because you both won the genetic lottery. Ross, like, is a fucking NFL player. Ross, like, fucking rolls out of bed looking like he's fucking chiseled out of granite. I hate that about him, but I have to acknowledge that it's the truth. Dave looks like he fucking walked off a red carpet. Like, it's so aggro. Dave, what time do you get up in the morning and you still look like this right now? What a fucking asshole. What pieces of shit you two guys are. You know what happens if I drink beer? I fucking look at a can of beer and I got a fucking gut. I have the worst metabolism. I can't drink beer or I'm fucking fat. Man, I'm 36 years old. I could get away with it 10 years ago when I was like in my mid-20s right now, though. I'm a fat fuck if I'm drinking beer, man. That's why I drink. I can't even have t tonic with it, man, because there's fucking sugar in the tonic and the sugar makes me fucking fat. So I got to have so it's like all these avenues of pleasure are closed to me. You think I roll out of bed looking this good? This is hard work, man. I go to the gym five times a week. I eat well. I got one cheat meal a week. You motherfuckers are probably doing whatever you want because you won the genetic lottery. And then you have the unmitigated gall to look down uh, on me and be like, ah, when are you drinking? Fucking <laughs> doesn't drink beer. Well, fuck you, man. I like to look skinny because I live a shallow Ross, existence. That's Ross, what I appreciate this. You're going to hate me more now. I've had Chick-fil-A so much lately that I'm sick and what tired of it. Like, I have yeah, to take yeah. what time a, what a, what a, what a problem from Chick-fil-A. I'm sick of the number one. Or maybe I just need a new order. I've had too much of it that I need a, a little Chick-fil-A vacation, Ross. So, yeah, he's going to hate us more now. No, but no, but do you two understand, like, in all seriousness, like, what assholes you are, like, compared to, like, the average people? Like, you guys are, like, batting above, like, the average here. Ross played in the NFL. Dave Briggs looks like a movie star. Do you two understand, like, that you won the fucking genetic lottery, and then I got to hear shit about fucking, like, why are you, what's your hair like that? Why are you wearing those shoes? Because I have to, I have to compensate for the fact that the fact that I lost the genetic lottery. Exactly, exactly. But, like, but, exactly. But, like, but, like, but, but, like, when do I not say that, though? Like, when have I never said that? It's obvious. I'm not playing with, <laughs> with, with the full deck, man. That's the deal.
I'd love to drink some beer. I'd love to have a fucking side. I would love to go to Chick-fil-A, right? You know what happens if I go to Chick-fil-A? I walk around looking like I got stung by a hornet. Right in the fucking face. Can't do it. Can't do it. Hey. Hey, right. Nick. This is a beautiful this is a Nick. beautiful pair of sneakers, though, is it not? Oh my gosh. Beautiful. You might as okay. well just you might as well just put a uh, a uh a tattoo on your forehead that says you can remove the NYDB and just have it say insecure, insecure. Oh, yeah. I need to pay $400 for sneakers. But guess what? I admit that I'm insecure, Ross, but you don't admit that you're insecure and your insecurity is more obvious than my insecurity. I at what least am I insecure about? You're because since you real people that, that don't like people that judge people the way that you do are insecure. See, I don't care. I let it all hang out. You come on and you're like, oh, look at this guy's shoes. Oh, look at what this guy's wearing. You know who does that? Insecure people. You know what that is? Fucking psychology 101. You probably could have learned about that in Princeton if you weren't being such a douche. I took psychology 101, actually. Um, tonight, Nick, Viking <laughs> laying 16 points against the Redskins. It is a triple revenge game. Case Keenum, Adrian Peterson, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Are you placing a bet in this game? And if so, what is it? Yeah, I got a bet on the game because it's the Thursday night NFL game. But I got to be honest, I'm not really – this were like – I say this sometimes. Like if this were a game that were surrounded by eight other games at 1 o'clock on a Sunday, I, I probably would not bet it. You know, I, I, I don't really want to. But I think if I have to, I'd probably lay it with the Vikings here just because I don't think the Redskins are going to be able to score. Like, how are the Redskins scoring points in this game? Like, the only chance that they have of scoring points, I would say, would be, like, Case Keenum hits Terry McLaurin on a couple bombs downfield. But I think the Vikings probably know that that's the only chance the Redskins have. Like, they are not going to be able to, like, like, Bill Callahan wants to, what did what did they do a couple weeks ago against the Dolphins when, like, the first nine plays of the games were all runs? Like, they're going to want to run the football with Adrian Peterson. How do we think that's going to go against this Mike Zimmer defense where the Vikings defensive personnel is better than the Redskins offensive line, which is still down Trent Williams. They got to trade Trent Williams, by the way, before the trade deadline or, like, fucking Bruce Allen asleep at the wheel, which he is, and we know that already. I just don't think Washington's going to be able to score. Can the Vikings score 24 points in this game? I think so. Now, them being down Adam Thielen's a problem, but, Ross, how about another angle for you in this game? Stephon Diggs, from the area, played at Maryland, going back home to torch his former team. I'd begrudgingly lay it with the Vikings. Big game for Stephon Diggs, but this is not a game that I'm excited to bet in all uh, in all candid. Nick just, Nick, just just Nick, just as a heads up, the game's in Minnesota, but nice, nice. Oh, playing against, attempt. playing, playing against his former team. Let there, let me. Sorry, it's early. Yeah, it. Playing against his former team. There you go. No, Adam Thielen in that one should help the Diggs game. All right, a couple things I'm not sold on. I'm not sold on Buffalo as a favorite against a desperate Philly team. Or even though that game is in Buffalo, I'm also not sold that the Lions. I think the Lions blow out the Giants in Detroit. What do you think of those two? And what else do you like on this NFL slate? I'll, I'll start with the Giants game. I, I like the Giants to cover the spread. Mm. And I know people go, oh, well, Homer pick, he's a Giants fan. I just think that the Lions, like, and this is kind of, I think, maybe like the fatal flaw that this team's always going to have under the current coaching staff. It's like they play games, whether it's against good teams or bad teams, like, we're going to get this close in the fourth quarter and we're going to pull out a win. Like, that's what they want to do. Like, they want to, quote unquote, establish the run. Like, they don't blow teams out. I think they're better than the Giants. I think the Giants are terrible. I think Matt Patricia is a better coach than Pat Shermer, and that's more of a that's more of an indictment on Pat Shermer than it is a compliment to Matt Patricia. So I think the Lions are better, but seven points here? Like, I don't think the Lions are built to blow teams out. So I think the Giants can fall inside this number. Not one of my favorite picks, but I would take the points with the Giants. This Eagles-Bills game is fascinating, and I'm always kind of curious to hear what Ross thinks about this. Um, Ross, like, intimately familiar with both these teams. I kind of like the Eagles here, and I think that there are really only two outcomes for this game. I think either the Bills win by, like, 17, or the Eagles win by, like, two or three. I think the Eagles are going to come out ready to play. I think the Bills are a really good team. I think they're a wild card team in the AFC, and I think they're building something really great. I also don't think they're as good as their 5-1 and one record indicates. I'm going to take the Eagles here, not just to cover the spread. I think the Eagles go into Western New York, gut it out, win the game outright. I think this is a game where Josh Allen turns the ball over a couple times and Philly capitalizes. You know what? That's certainly possible. I got to tell you, after back-to-back bad performances by the Eagles, I I can't do it. I mean, I, I showed a lot of faith yeah. in them. I took them against the Cowboys. I took them the last two weeks. 
The last two weeks at Minnesota, in Dallas, I thought they were toss-up games. They were getting points, and they lost by double digits. And especially to look that bad against the Cowboys after looking bad against the Vikings, I just can't have faith in this team anymore as currently constituted. The Bills' defense is nasty. It's tough to win in Buffalo. I'm I'm not going there, unfortunately. Look, I... I wish I felt that way, but I just can't at this point. I do agree with you, though, with the New York Giants. I'm, I'm with you on that one, Nick. Let me ask you a more general question. Okay. I'm having a great year, okay? Going into last week, I was up 20 units on the season. Having a great year. And uh, we talk about it on You Better You Bet. I'll be on with you. For the first hour, 9 to 10 a.m. Nice. on Sunday, on the Sunday edition of You Better You Bet. I can't wait. I got crushed last week, Nick. I was down eight units. Uh, the Raiders screwed me. Um, the under, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a friend of mine. I don't know what he's doing down two scores with six kids in a Harvard degree trying to truck somebody at the goal line to get a touchdown when they're not even trying to win games this year. He's a lunatic, and he cost me money. He's an absolute idiot. He's got six kids. He went to Harvard, and he's trying to win a game for a team that's not even trying to win games and leading with his head. He's not. If he went to Princeton, he wouldn't be that dumb. Anyway, um, so my question is, do you believe in a bounce-back week? Like if I'm if I was down eight units last week, do you believe in a bounce back week, or do you think there's no such thing? Uh, sure, but I mean it's it's entirely results based. Like I don't think like you have a bad week and then like automatically like you're like cosmically like inclined to have a good week the next week. I mean it, you could just as easily have another shitty week. Now I don't think you will because you know what you're talking about and you're like deeply invested in all these teams and like your information is great and like your picks are generally I think very good. So I think you're gonna bounce back because you were good at it. But no, I mean like. You're a shitty-ass gambler, and you make shitty-ass picks one week. Uh, chances are you're probably going to make shitty-ass picks again. I mean, I, I, I don't think that like there's like a cosmic law or like I, next to like the theory of relativity that states like if you have a shitty week gambling, like you're due for a good week. I don't think that's true. But I mean, I think if you're if your handicapping is good, and here's what I always say: like when people like people will message me, like I I had the Jets on Monday night, right? Not a, yeah, yeah, it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, whatever. People will be like, hey, how did you take the Jets? Honey, how are you? How are you doing this for a living and take the Jets? Here's how you fucking idiot. Because we're gonna take that spot ten out of ten times in a spotlight. Maybe not against the Patriots, but a spot like that. And there's another spot like that coming up this weekend, which we'll discuss in a moment, I think. Where like I will take that spot every single time, and I will win more than I will lose. That's why I fucking do it. But how could you take the Browns against the Seahawks? Because if they play that game 10 times, the Browns win seven or eight out of the 10 times. It just happened that we were on the wrong side that time. But I'll make that bet again. Now, not every bet I make is a good bet that happens to not go my way. Some of them I can actually say after the fact, that was a bad bet. That was. I think the Raiders were a bad pick, despite the Derek Hart dumbass fumble out of the end zone. I thought that was a bad pick. But the Jets, that's a bet that I'll make again. So you got to trust the process, Ross. Your process is good. So you trust the process. You get back on that horse. We're going to win this weekend. All right. Did right. We're talking to Nick Costos. You better you bet. Did you get through all your NFL slate? I did not. Um, in fact, okay. the one game that I referenced there. You ready for Go. this one, guys? It yep. is, it is, guys, the best spot thus far of the NFL season. It is the quintessential Nick Costos bet, if there ever were one. The Kansas City Chiefs at home on Sunday night getting four against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm not going to sit up here and bullshit you guys and be like, oh, it's going to be, you know, the Tyree Kill or Sammy Watkins back from injury, you know, testing this Green Bay secondary. Or Andy Reid's going to scheme up the run game against the Packers linebackers and, you know, throwing the ball to Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Here's what's going to happen. The Chiefs are undervalued because Patrick Mahomes is out. The Packers are, I have to take the L and admit that the Packers are kind of a good team, not fraudulent the way I thought they were. But the Packers hype is out of control right now. I said on Sunday, what's the narrative going to be this week? And you're going to see it all day Sunday leading up to the game and in the pregame too, that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL, not Patrick Mahomes. Packers mania is sweeping the nation off a performance where Rodgers had six total touchdowns. Everyone's going to bet the Green Bay Packers. They're going to be a ridiculous public side. And somehow, some way, if they win the game, it's going to be by three or less. So we're going to take those four points with the Kansas City Chiefs and we are going to feel great about it on Sunday night. That's my favorite bet of the week. A couple other ones I like. Give me the Denver Broncos getting six 
or whatever that line is right now. It is actually, they, yeah, they're getting six on the road in Indianapolis. Too many points. Colts not built to blow teams out. Um, kind of in the same way that uh, I like the Giants against the Lions. Give me the Broncos getting six in Indianapolis. I think it's too many points for the Jets in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. That number was four or four and a half before the Monday night debacle, now up to six. Sam Darnold's going to play better. How do I know? Because he can't play worse. So give me the Jets getting the six points in Jacksonville. And how about, guys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? This is a gift from God, this game on Sunday against the Titans in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill sucks. We've seen enough Ryan Tannehill in our, in our lives to know Ryan Tannehill's not a good quarterback. Now, he played well last week. Great. They shouldn't have won the game if Melvin Gordon, if the Chargers coaching staff weren't a bunch of fucking imbeciles. The Chargers would have won that game. But because the Titans won the game and because Ryan Tannehill threw for over 300 yards, we are now getting to bet against him in a prime fade spot here. Bucks coming off the bye. Bruce Arians a good coach. I'm not convinced Mike Vrabel knows what the fuck he's doing after some of the decisions he's made recently. I think the Bucks go into Tennessee and win the game outright on Sunday. They're two and a half point underdogs. All right, Nick, uh, before Sunday comes Saturday, like I do every week, I do want to get your best or at least one or two of your best college football bets. Plus, you typically don't have it right in front of you, so I like to watch you scramble when I ask for your college football bets. Okay, you know, because I'm like so locked into the NFL that like I like no, by Friday, I am locked into all this shit. I do all these radio interviews and I can basically do it by heart like I'm a robot. How about this for a best college football bet? And I'm going to keep it on like the big board here, like the games that everyone's going to bet on. And I'm going to tell you how yeah. this line's going to move. And I'm not going to, although I could be like, hey, like this is what I think is going to happen. It's we've had odd, odds makers on the show this week and they've all said the same things. That's why you need to listen to you better, you bet, because we give you great information like this. So this Notre Dame-Michigan line right now, right? Michigan had been minus one throughout the week. So a short home favorite at home against Notre Dame. As we sit doing this right now on Thursday morning, Notre Dame is now a one-point road favorite. Every odds maker we've had on the show this week, and there have been multiple, we've had like three or four guys on, and they have all said that come kickoff on Saturday night at the big house in Michigan, Notre Dame's going to be a two and a half or a three point favorite in this game. I like Michigan in this spot here. Michigan should have at least tied the game and sent it to overtime last week against Penn State. Michigan's playing at home in this game here. So what I'm going to do is wait until Saturday, wait before kickoff, see if I can get three. If you like Michigan, Wait until kickoff on Saturday. You will get the best of the number with the Wolverines. If you like Notre Dame, you got to pull the trigger like right now or close to it, or you should have probably done it already. But I'm going to take Michigan, but I'm going to wait to put my bet in Ross until Saturday before kickoff, and I'm going to get two and a half or three points with the Wolverines. He's Nick Costos. You better you bet. He's got hate in his heart. Is that right? You you sure you yeah, got hate in your heart? You, you turned oh, to love. Tons of it. Tons of it. Okay. Yeah. No, actually, I think like in my personal life, I'm a pretty like friendly guy. But, you know, when I get on the air, I like yeah. to be a little angry. Maybe it makes for more entertainment. Also, I give Kansas State a chance to beat Oklahoma outright in Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. What's the line there? Um, I think that Oklahoma is like a 23 or 24 point favorite. I just think that at some point, Oklahoma is going to lose. Like, they're going to lose a game that, like, Kyler would have rescued for them last year. Baker would have rescued for them two years ago. And I think Jalen Hurts is great, and he may end up winning the Heisman if Joe Burrow, you know, shits down his leg against Alabama and two is hurt. He may win the Heisman, but he ain't Kyler Murray. He ain't Baker Mayfield. He ain't number one overall pick in the NFL draft good. And I think at some point he's going to have to win a game for them, and I'm not convinced he can. I think it could be this weekend. So I'm taking those points with Kansas State um, against OU. And that was me scrambling a little bit because I forgot to mention that in my first answer. All right, best of luck in the weekend bets. Good to see you, Costos. Uh, that's it. I thought we were not going to do any politics or anything. I appreciate it, guys. You want to do Thank politics? You. you want to talk Whatever you guys want. I am game for that. Now, we're out of time. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you. Good luck this weekend. We'll catch you on You Bet or You Bet. And Ross Tucker will join him. Ross, want to pick up where we left off with some Michigan talk and Jim Harbaugh. What an interesting situation within the last couple of days where rumors were flying, reports were circulating that he was flirting with the NFL and wanted out of Michigan and into the NFL. Harbaugh got angry, wrote a letter. That letter was relayed. It was to parents, and he said the theory that he was pursuing an exit strategy is total crap. It's, quote, an annual strategy driven by Michigan's enemies to cause disruption to our program and to negatively recruit. This sounds like politics, speaking of. Do you believe Coach Harbaugh and that those rumors, reports, are intended to hurt the program? You know, it's funny, Dave, because I didn't hear any of these rumors. Like, I don't, I didn't even know where they came from. So in my mind, I feel like this is a genius move by Harbaugh. Because if you want to go to the NFL— 
I think one of the best ways to get NFL opportunities is to come out and say, hey, I forget all these NFL rumors about all these NFL teams are going to want to hire me. I'm not going anywhere. It's like, to me, my initial reaction, I, I guess I'm a skeptic, was that he wanted it to be known that he's open for business, especially after they just lost the second game already in conference. They've lost to Wisconsin. They've lost to Penn State. They might lose their name on Saturday. They haven't even gotten to Michigan State or Ohio State yet, so we'll see what happens in those games. So that's number one. That was my initial reaction. But if you think about it, even if that wasn't his motivation, so, for, so first of all, if that is his motivation – to drum up some NFL interest, I think it's a good way to go about it. Stop, stop everyone with all the rumors of all the NFL teams that want me, please. But then also, even if he's going to stay, everybody loved it. Like everybody, every, like I saw all these tweets yesterday, that's leadership. What a great letter from Jim Harbaugh. He's not going anywhere. He is committed to developing these young men. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it, it was just funny to me. I think it's a genius move by Jim Harbaugh. I think he wins either way with it. He gets the interest going of the NFL. That's what he wants. And if he's staying or wants to stay, at least, we'll see if Michigan wants to keep him. It, it looks like a, a great letter to all of his, his teammates, you know, all the kids on the team and recruits and about he's not going anywhere. I, I think it's a genius move by a guy that he is very good from a PR yeah. standpoint, very good. Yeah, I, I thought you may have heard the rumors because I hadn't either. You're usually more in the loop than me. I hadn't heard them until he brought them to light. They're five and two to your point. Still have Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State, but it hadn't hurt recruiting. If in fact those rumors are out there, they have the number eight class, number eight class for 2020. So it has not hurt recruiting if in fact anyone had heard those rumors we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll get into some big injury news in the nfl patrick mahomes what's going on with josh gordon nick Foles, drew Brees, and others we'll also go to dc grant paulson from 1067 the fan tells us the scene ahead of game three of the world series two nothing lead and a thursday night football preview after a quick break T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.